Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? Now I want every head bowed, every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to start this podcast off with a word of prayer. Just kidding. This podcast ain't got no goddamn religion. It's like REM, kid. You know? I had religion when I was young. Now, there's none. There's none. Am I a worse person? Arguably. Arguably, yes. <laughs> Dude. What's up? I know usually on Wednesdays, I release an interview but look, it's the 4th of July. I've been off all week. I I hit up a few comics today. You know, it's my fault. I should have scheduled it. But like, I've just realized I'm going to be traveling over um, the next few weeks here. I might go to D.C. this week. I'm, I'm going to Tampa, Florida next weekend, the weekend of July 14th, I believe that is, um, or 15th, I guess. And uh, I'm going to be opening for my buddy Julio Gallarotti at uh, Side Splitters and a couple of their locations on that Thursday, Friday Wait, actually, it's on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be sick, dude. And uh, Sky Grayson and Zach McGivern are also opening for Julia. We're really excited about that. And I've just realized uh, this summer that, you know, if I'm going to be opening for my friends in different cities, I, I, I don't know if I can do <laughs> put out a podcast twice a week, at least not during the summer months. So I think what's going to happen here. Oh, my God. Major, major pod, major podcast announcement. No one cares. I think I'm just going to start doing uh, releasing the podcast once a week. I'm going to try to get interviews every week. If I don't, I'll do a fun Friday pod on Wednesday. Um, I mean, I'm always accumulating ideas that I think are fun and you know insightful and hopefully help like self help, life help kind of stuff. And uh, also things that I think are interesting and funny and just redonk, redick, dude. But um, I think that's going to be the plan moving forward until the end of summer. So just one one episode a week. On Wednesdays. Oh my God. Oh my God. Will my listenership plummet? Who's to say? I don't think it really will. You know, it's like how many fucking times a week do people want to get pinged by Danny Palmer? <laughs> I would argue it's less than one time a week. <laughs> Anywho, so we're just going to pretend like this is a fun Friday pod. It's a fun Wednesday pod, dude. It doesn't always have to be on Fridays, you guys. And don't worry. I mean, there's a million comics and cool people that I will continue to have as guests on the pod. I just think in the summer months, it's going to be a little little bit tougher to pull that shit off. Especially if I'm... All right. You've already explained that, Danny. You've already fucking explained that. Um, a couple weeks ago, Black Cat, one of the comics on the show, I was heckling him, but not Isabel Hagen, who had gone up before him. And he's, he's like, how come, how come you didn't heckle Isabel? I'm like, didn't need to. Isabel was crushing it. You weren't. You're not. <laughs> That's not nice, Danny. But it's fun. I didn't say the guy's name. That's nice of me. I'm a nice person. That guy has actually been a guest on this podcast, and I guess I'm a real piece of shit for being mean to him when he was kind enough to do my show. But as you know, that's the kind of person, comic, podcast host that I am. Take it or leave it. I read this great article about uh, why liberals need patriotism, and uh, I think I'm going to talk more about it towards the end, but um, I just think uh, that Frederick Douglass has... He had some thoughts on what patriotism is to him. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like my kind of fucking patriotism. By the way, I hope you had a happy 4th of July besides the what fucking 12 mass shootings. What the fuck, man? I mean, is there anything more depressing than a mass shooting? You just feel so helpless. And ugh, I know that's not why people are tuning into this podcast. But dude, can, I, can we just take every every male in this country that turns 16 should have to go through some like extensive series of life courses I mean, wh women, girls are never doing this. I'm sure that some 
you know, occasionally women are shooting people, but not on the scale of carnage that men are. And it's like, what the fuck? Maybe I should take it upon myself to join like a Big Brothers program. Oh, I don't think nobody, I don't think anybody wants to listen to your bullshit advice. Listen, honey, when you talk, it makes my throat scratchy. Why? It's not you. It's me. I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know. Do you ever wonder about that shit? You know, you're just like, dude, should I fucking stop just sitting around, you know, watching baseball, reading the paper, watching Game of Thrones, watching the French Dispatch, bad movie in my opinion. Should I just sit around doing that shit? Or should I be out there helping and doing good? But then I'm like, well, hey, I do stand up, you know, if you make people laugh. I do the podcast if you inspire them and make them laugh. That that's good too. And then I realized, Danny, you're not making people laugh or inspiring them. You're just a piece of shit. You're just a piece of shit, forty six year old. You're gonna rot in hell no matter what. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. I know I'm being too hard on myself. Just just joking. Although I do get feedback in my work that like you're too hard on yourself. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But I think it, if you do stand up comedy over time, you just become hard on yourself because it's like, uh. What is it? it? Benefits you. It's like it behooves you to put yourself up in a tree and throw sticks at yourself and rocks at yourself when you're on stage, metaphorically speaking. Because everybody's like, "Why the fuck does this guy got a fucking microphone? He's on a stage where he's got a light on him. What the fuck is this piece of shit have to say?" So it's kind of good to like bring yourself off that pedestal, so to speak. But then I end up like having this slant to my act of just, "Oh, I, you know, I suck. I'm just a bald guy. I'm a loser, single. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. You know." Those pretty girls that want to kiss me, dude. Okay, just fucking chill, dude. Just fucking chill, dude. Dude, isn't technical shit the worst? I literally spent an hour tonight. Like, today's my last night off of, like, a six-day, like, vacation. And I I literally spent the past hour and a half just trying to, like, get my uh, Zoom recorder, my H6, to connect to my laptop. Like, that's not a fun way to spend a night on vacation. And then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like, I don't know why. Like, I guess I've heard that other people's podcast numbers have just gone down lately. And maybe, maybe it's an anomaly with me or maybe it's a broader trend. I don't fucking know. But that happens. I mean, it's still decent, but it's not like as good as it was. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm doing this shit for two years. Isn't it supposed to be a build over time? And then if it goes down, so I'm like, God damn it, dude. God fucking damn it, bro. And I'm like, well, maybe I should just stop doing the podcast. And I'm like, no, I don't want to stop doing the podcast. But then I'm like, maybe I want to just do it like twice a week or once a week instead of twice a week. I don't know why I'm explaining this i guess it is good to explain it like if people that that do listen to this podcast apparently they do in germany and fucking austin houston atlanta georgia tampa st pete new york denver y'all are my bros dude and sisters and sisters bros and sisters so i do appreciate you guys listening but you know it's I i think as long as you communicate with your listeners why you're doing what you're doing you can go through it i mean you can like make it through like dude honestly like a couple of years, it was a couple of years. It's crazy. It was two years ago when me and Zach went on the outs and then we stopped podcasting together. And then I became a better person in addition to a better podcaster. <laughs> During that time, I was kind of terrified. I'm like, oh man, now it's not space. What the fuck, dude? Now it's just the Danny Palmer show. And I'm like, nobody's going to listen to this shit. But then I had better ratings over time than I ever did when me and Zach were doing it together, which I like to bring up to Zach quite frequently. And he doesn't care because he's out at bars. I've been walking around New York. I, I'm, I obviously live in New York, so I walk around a lot. But they have these like signs, these like street signs, and it's like ads. And par- partially, it bothers me. It's like, do we need this fucking electronic, fucking giant flashlight, neon strobe kind of thing, like on the street? Like, can't we just have a normal, you know, non fucking Times Square moment downtown? But then these things do put up a lot of like cool information, and they have a lot of quotes about New York. And I wrote down a couple. One of them said, "Nothing lasts in New York. The life that is lived there, however." is as intense as it gets. That's definitely true. 
I'm just looking at my fucking window unit air conditioner in the apartment where they jacked my rent $1,000, hoping this thing doesn't die, hoping I can find a new apartment by the end of July. Like, yeah, it's an intense place to live. I guess those are negative things, but it's intense in a positive way, too. It's kind of great. There's a the Pfizer is headquartered in New York and Manhattan. And the other night I was riding down, I guess it was like Fifth Avenue or something. And on, they had this like uh, ad on the side of their building. It said, we believe science will cure every disease. And I was just thinking to myself, would that be good? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't want anybody to be riddled or saddled with an illness. But if we get rid of all of the diseases, aren't we just going to have like twice, three times, ten times the number of humans on the planet? And then we'll just like sap its resources at an even faster rate until all the humans just kill all of each other? Don't we want some diseases to kind of keep things tamped down a little bit? That's my scientific assessment, my cruel scientific assessment. Yeah, let's just keep things tamped down. Okay, Danny. All right. Oh, by the way, that quote about New York uh, being intense, that was from Edmund White. I don't know who that is. He's just the person that wrote something down. You know what I mean? I put, I put a quote from Frederick Douglass. Or I referenced a Frederick Douglass quote on a Instagram and Facebook post that I made. And then my brother-in-law, Sean, was like, oh, yeah, you're you're like the next Frederick Douglass. I'm, hey, man, I'm allowed to quote people, okay? You fucking prick. Leave me alone, dude. <laughs> Speaking of that, I got my Instagram ap- account back, finally, thanks to my friend slash former boss, Deborah Deluhi at Facebook. I guess, is that fun to talk about in the podcast? I think it is. It was weird. I mean, you know, if you're a comic, your Instagram handle is pretty much your primary means of promotion, I would think, unless you're like some big name. And then I just had that taken away from me by what I assumed to be Nigerian hackers like six weeks ago or four weeks. And it's like, dude, now I just have nothing. Like, what if some hot chick is messaging me like, Danny, I know we only met that one time and I expressed little to no interest, but now I want us to be together forever and I'm coming over. What if I get a message like that and I I can't get it? Just go straight to the fucking hackers. It's not fair, dude. It's not fair, dude. I was reading this article about uh, the writers of... Um, oh, God damn it. What is the name of that show? Deadwood. The name of the show is Deadwood. I was going to edit that out, me flailing, but then I thought maybe it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to listen to me flail. <laughs> they were talking. They were interviewing one of the creators of it, and they, they quoted this character in Deadwood. And listen, this has some pretty harsh, aggressive language, but remember, I am quoting... I am quoting... A fictional character on a show that was on HBO that was broadcast globally. Okay. It's already made it by the HBO censors. If I repeat a quote, doesn't mean I'm a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit for different reasons. Okay. Um, anyways, this is from the article about uh about Deadwood. In, in an early episode, a prospector named Ellsworth, having breakfasted on a few shots of whiskey, to claims to no one in particular, and this is his quote, I may have fucked up my life flatter and hammered shit. But I stand here before you today beholden to no human cocksucker and working a paying fucking gold claim and not the U.S. government saying I'm trespassing or the savage fucking red man himself or any of these other limber dick cocksuckers passing themselves off as prospectors had better try and stop me. Okay, obviously that's terrible language, which I don't support, but I'm just quoting from the show. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the challenges too, right? Like if you say something, that's obviously a terrible thing to say. Uh, but if you're talking in the way, if you're writing fiction and you're speaking in the way that people spoke in the past, like, what do you do? Does not talk like they actually talked or do you talk like they talked to 
kind of put a lens up against like, wow, look how horrific these people were back then. I don't know. Anyways, I just thought that was a, besides that terrible quote, it's just a great piece of, of writing, you know, just like, I know it's a lot of like swearing, but I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm impressed with that level of writing. I may have fucked up my life flatter and hammered shit. <laughs> Maybe I should make that the episode title for this one. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I've been listening to some like, I, I try to listen to like a wider, wider range of podcasts. I don't know if you guys listen to a lot of podcasts. But um, there was one that I heard recently, and I didn't really like it, honestly. I think it was like something about becoming a greater self or something. And they're interviewing this woman, but I, re- I really liked an idea that she said about sometimes you need to foreclose on your former self. And the uh, podcast host was like, what do you mean foreclose? Like, she's saying like, you know, if, you, if the bank forecloses on your house, they take the house away from you. Sometimes you need to take away your former self from yourself and say, hey, I was that. And now I'm no longer that. I'm I'm foreclosing on that, and I now I'm a new and different person. And I like that idea. It's like it made me think. I'm like, are there things in my life that I want to foreclose upon? Probably uh, living in this too expensive apartment, not having a girlfriend. <laughs> maybe a couple of those things. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Every time I think like, oh, my life isn't as good as I want it to be, then I'm like, are you sure, Danny? Are you sure? If you'd stayed in Atlanta and got married and raised kids, don't you think you'd be kind of miserable? Even more miserable than you are now, Danny? Probably. It's very fucking likely. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the uh, Broadway show Chicago. It has been performed 10,000 times. Dude, can you imagine just one performance of a Broadway show? If you were in charge of putting that on, like directing or producing it, how insane that would be. The level of effort and coordination amongst multiple parties and the props and the costumes and the lines and the actors and the lights and the tickets. Dude, oh my God. It, it does kind of boggle my mind every day when you just walk around a city. You're just like, who the fuck built all this shit? Why are people follow, obeying the traffic lights mostly? How did all of this come to be? How am I talking into a microphone and then people in Germany hear it three hours later? What? What? You know... I think it's important to maintain that, you know, boy-like, girl-like sense of wonder about the world. I try to do that. You know? You try to do that, dude? I think it's sick to be like, oh, my God. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. I read this fucking article a couple of weeks ago about how, like, this guy was like, oh, I hate daffodil. He he hates how people um have, like, gradations or level of quality that they assign to daffodils. Like, oh, the best daffodils are at this one market and the worst daffodils are at this other market. It's like... The daffodil is an insane feat of nature and beauty in and of itself, no matter what kind or species or varieties or genus, whatever the fuck you call it, no matter where in the planet. The fact that we are alive to see daffodils is a miracle in and of itself. The, the fact that we're here, that the one sperm hit the one egg for you, the fact that you're cognizant and nobody, you know, you didn't die as a kid or have something terrible happen to you where you can't think and and now you have the chance to observe this spectacle of nature that we really have no idea how it started like fuck these levels of daffodils dude like the chance the opportunity that we have the reality that we can look at the daffodils is fucking crazy okay wow danny you're so fucking wise or so or so you think you piece of shit you don't know shit about shit how, what did that guy say how, Flatter and jackered shit. I may have fucked up my life. Flatter and hammered shit. <laughs> I was uh, reading this article um, this weekend about like, you know, returning to the office, the white collar workers, such as myself. Like, do you need to go back in? Do you not? And some companies are like, no, you really need to. 
most are just kind of like relenting, I think, to be to the inevitable tide that if you don't let your people work from home, they'll just go work somewhere else that does. But, um, I, you know, some, I guess some industries, some companies, they feel like it's necessary and it very well may be. So they interviewed this guy who's the head of an AI company, uh, Mr. Siebel. Did I get his first name? I did not. It says, Mr. Siebel said he had the only full parking lot in Silicon Valley and sees that as a competitive advantage. We don't invent rockets that land themselves by people working on Zoom calls once a week, the, tre- the chief executive added. We have to get together in a room and get on whiteboards and fail and fail and fail until you succeed. It made me think of that uh, that movie, um, fuck, Hidden Pockets. <laughs> What's the one where the, the black ladies join NASA and they um, get the math equations correct so they can land on the moon? Um, hidden figures. Hidden fucking figures. I did look that up. Yeah, like if you're doing that level of work, like landing crafts and shit like that, dude, you probably do have to like hang out. That it's it's interesting. Like, what level of quality work can you do, and and what kind of work can you do where not everybody is in the same room and you just like talk over a video conference versus you have to be in the fucking room together? I think if I kind of agree with that CEO. Like, if you're landing rockets by themselves, I could see that that could be tough over Zoom. But also, that doesn't sound like a fun room to be in. Like all day, you're just in this room, like failing, 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 and then you're like, "Can I work from home tomorrow?" And he's like, "Fuck no, you can't." Design rockets, you piece of shit. Like, all right, Mr. CEO, you asshole. I'm not very nice. You're right. I went to I went to Long Beach by myself last Thursday, and I'm always like, when I do that, I'm like, oh my god, going to the beach by myself? Am I a loser? And then I get there, and I'm like, no, not really. I'm not really a loser to do that. It's kind of fun. Like, I went to this bar, and I like uh, talked to the bartender, and there was a couple in there, and they were breaking up. It was there weren't a lot of people in there. It was like a Thursday afternoon, but it was a great beach day. And I guess a couple was breaking up, and they were like kept ordering all these drinks, and then. It was just this kind of weird vibe, and it was just me and the two bartenders talking about that weird thing, and it made me like reaffirm my decision to be single when these couples just breaking up, pounding booze in an empty bar. Like, eh, pass on that, dude. But you know, if you don't, if you go with other people, it's obviously great, but then you don't get little moments like that, little, little individual experiences. And then I went down, dude. And then I went down to the water. This is my last beach story, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna get in the water and pee. And all, all of a sudden, I heard the lifeguards like blowing their whistles and i'm like oh some fucking idiot's probably doing something really stupid and then i looked up and I'm, i realized they were blowing their whistle at me because <laughs> i was trying to enter the ocean in a part where you can't because there was like a riptide or something danny you fucking idiot dude you're 46 years old and it's like fucking 19 year old life guard is saving you from yourself let's maybe it's time to start looking within pal fix your fucking all right that's not nice that's not nice oh and then i was reading this article about sharks and they said that sharks have literally no interest in eating people. They're just chasing bait fish. This woman who's, I guess she's like a, I don't know, what do you call those? Biologist, marine biologist. She said that no shark has ever chased a human in the history of sharks. Like, that's not something that they do. Like, many of the shark bites or attacks, quote unquote, are just inadvertent collisions where it's just like a gash from a f- dorsal fin or something, but they didn't even mean to do it. And I guess sometimes they do try to take a bite to, t- to test if you're food. So I guess that is an attack. Well, I don't understand that. It's confusing to me. I don't know. Just don't get in the water. It's too dangerous, you guys. I just want you to be careful. <laughs> one thing I've noticed, I'm on uh, I'm on season six of Game of Thrones. And one thing I've noticed uh, is that a lot of times there will be two characters on horseback going from one destination to another under the premise or assumption that when they get to this destination, there will be a set of circumstances that they 
already know that will make their lives better. You know, like there's going to, I'm going to sell this young girl, uh, for a ransom or for a bounty, uh, to her family. And then I'm going to be rich and she'll be reunited with her family. And you get there and those people are all dead. And I just thought that was a kind of a great metaphor for life. You know, like you think you're on a road to a path somewhere on a road to a path. You're on a path somewhere. You're like, when I get here, it will be like this, but then it won't get like that. It's like that John Lennon quote, like life is what ha- life is what's happening. Sorry. God damn it. Life is what happens while you're making other plans. Like game of Thrones really exhibits that in a, in a way that's not like, like uh parental or in your face or over the top. It's just like, it's just, that's what the story is, you know? And then you're like, Oh, there's lessons to take from this that aren't blatantly or explicitly stated. Another reason I really like game of Thrones. Didn't think I would like this fantasy show. No, I do. Very philosophical, very deep, a lot of metaphors, a lot of similes, a lot of uh, allegories you can apply to your own life by watching these fucking maniacs sword fight each other and chop each other's heads off. There's still stuff you can learn, even though that's gross and not nice. (laughs) Okay. And back, I'm revisiting the story about the AI chief executive that said he wants people in the room to, you know, build rockets and land themselves. And so recently... This article continued, a junior employee attended that CEO's virtual office hours and said he didn't understand why he should be required to commute when working from home allowed him to balance productivity with his social life and jujitsu training. And the CEO said, fair point, and you should think about what your priority is. If you want to be an MMA fighter, go do that. I was like, oh, shit. I mean, you know, I guess there's two ways to look at that. You could look at that and say, yeah, man, good point. Like, if that's what you really want to be, then go be that. But the other way you could look at it is, come on, dude. He doesn't have to become an MMA fighter to need balance in his schedule, you know? But they, you can tell that's kind of the mindset of that guy. And uh, that's probably why many people are quitting his company. And then those rockets are not going to land themselves. They're just going to explode or crash into the sea. Dude. Anyways, lastly, to wrap this up, you know, 4th of July, patriotism, it's all, it's a big, it's a big uh, blurry mess and mix this year you know all these bad things are happening these mass shootings is so dispiriting and you know blah blah abortion blah blah all the shit and it's just like well should i be patriotic and apparently um quinnipiac i think it's a school in connecticut they asked americans whether they would fight or flee if the country were invaded it's kind of interesting like if you had to fight in america 68 percent of republicans said they would stay and fight compared with 40 percent of democrats and they're talking about how democrats are less likely to be patriotic Okay, so let me just read a few paragraphs from this essay by Jedediah, interesting, not Jebediah, Jedediah, Britton Purdy, who is a professor of constitutional law at Duke. You know, dude, constitutional law professors at Duke definitely know how to party. They're getting like yatch and blow and shit. It's crazy, dude. The author of the forthcoming book, Two Cheers for Politics, Why Democracy is Scary, Flawed, and Our Best Hope. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I kind of agree. I don't know. I'm not trying to talk about politics. It is 4th of July. Anyways, he talks about how progressives are less likely to be patriotic. But progressives need patriotism more than ever in a time of understandable anger and despair. We want to make the world better by our lights. And to do that, we need a stronger democracy. Patriotism in the right spirit fosters the civic trust and solidarity that democracy needs. Patriotism shouldn't be an excuse for glossing over failures and crimes. Just the opposite. It adds responsibilities, even sorrows, to our lives, but it also fosters affections and, yes, pride. 
affectionate, not affections. Although I guess it's both. The patriotism we need is a patriotism of July 5th, which used to be a rallying day for abolitionists, particularly... Jesus, that's two tough words in a row. Abolitionists, particularly in New York State. Before the Civil War, July 5th was a rejoinder to the hypocrisy of Independence Day, which trumpeted liberty in a country full of race slavery. The interesting before the Civil War that was they had that day. It was also, for many abolitionists, a day to continue the founding work of emancipation, to build on and extend a flawed but radical inheritance. Of course, some radicals, such as William Lloyd Garrison, embraced a fundamentally bleak vision of the country. Sounds like all the liberals today, you know? Garrison denounced the Constitution as a covenant with death and an agreement with hell, and pronounced himself ashamed of my country. But others, such as Frederick Douglass, who was more intimate with the horrors of American life, concluded that American politics was not just a grim fate, but also a crucible of transformation. Douglas, in the famous July 5th speech, often called What to the Slave is the 4th of July, denounced national crimes in blistering terms, but also praised the Declaration of Independence as the pivot point of Americans' quote, yet undeveloped destiny, end quote. Douglas called liberty and equality saving principles that the country could still make real. Look, I totally agree with that, man. You know, it's like, what are we going to do? Just disband the country, balkanize it, break up into two different groups and just hate each other until the day we're dead and be filled with vitriol every day all day it's like no like i don't live like that like i like to be positive i like to be optimistic and focus on good things and you know if you have those higher ideals as your guiding light i think that's a better lens through which we can frame our lives look i know i'm a dumb white guy i get it but i still think that those values are broadly applicable also don't hate me i'm just trying to i'm just trying to be nice you guys do you guys like me? Do you guys really like me? Anyway, I have my Instagram account back. Danny Palmer, NYC. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. I think the once a week thing could be better for me, just for my personal life. <laughs> and But the, honestly, dude, this podcast means a whole lot to me. I've been doing it for almost three years now. I really appreciate every fucking person that listens. And um, it's cool to see people listening around the world, around the country. I appreciate you. Hit me up on Instagram. Come to my uh, me and Ryan DeCollis' Black Cat Friday show every Friday, 9 o'clock. Hit me up on Instagram. No one ever does. Maybe now they will. Danny Palmer, NYC. All right. Peace out, you Johns. I'm glad it's July. July is a sick month, dude. It's fucking sick, dude. Come.